Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. And it's getting that build-up towards Christmas, and I'm super excited uh, I've got Louise back in the studio with me today. Well, on the, on a virtual studio. Louise, you're uh, still up in um, Port Macquarie. Yes. Up, up in the uh, up, up in, in the bush and yes, uh, in God's country, as they call it. It's exactly. Have you had any fly, fires or floods or fines this week? That's the Australian no, way, isn't it? Floods, no, fires, we, and fines. We, we got home today from a little staycation. We've been um, ten minutes up the road in our van. So, which was lovely, and um, no, a little bit of rain, but it's it's beautiful. Um, which leads leads us into we've got an amazing guest today. I'm super excited, as I say in every episode. I know that's one of my defaults of character. I'm super excited to talk to this person. <laughs> but we we um, our next guest on this on this episode is someone that I've followed on online. Uh, incredible hairdresser does some beautiful work. Um, does inc- and has an incredible celebrity clientele and has got an amazing um, movement going on in the UK, which I'm not going to burst his bubble. I'm going to get him to talk about it. But please welcome to the show, Louis Byrne. And he's all the way from the UK. How are you this morning, Louis? Uh, Yeah, very well. Just um, not long out of bed, to be quite honest with you. I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to see you both this morning. Thank you. That's a pleasure. It's um, it's it, I know, and I know it's very early in the UK. It's night time here in Australia. It's funny. Your sun's slowly coming up, and I'm just watching ours yes. disappear over the, yes, over towards Western Australia. Um, Absolutely. So no, thank you for coming on today, and I'm super excited to talk to you. As I say, because um, you do some amazing stuff. I'm glad we managed to make this happen. And um, so I guess what we're going to do yeah. is uh, we're going to start off to. Let's give us a little bit of background of where you're from and how you got into hairdressing. So um, I am, um, I, I live in the UK, obviously. Um, my background is I grew up in a town called Northampton, um, which is in the Midlands um, of the UK. Um, and actually getting into hairdressing, I... So my family was kind of quite fractured growing up and I spent a lot of time with my aunt, um, weekends and school holidays. And from a very young age, I would do her hair as a, as a kid growing up. Um, and that would be how we would kind of spend time and connect and kind of feel good, really. There wasn't a great deal of money around. So um, that was something that, you know, we could do together. I could make her feel good. She would look good, you know, and it was a win-win situation. And and I loved it. And kind of, so I kind of see it as she was the one that gave me the kind of the the secret, the access to to this um, beautiful kind of industry that we all work in that kind of really allows people to kind of feel better about themselves and and, you know, it's been a, an industry and a job that has kind of always been there for me in my highs and my lows. It's something that has kind of always had my back, really, that I've always kind of turned to to uh, support myself. Um, so I kind of went into hairdressing straight after school at 16. Um, I trained um, in the local college and actually in a in a. Uh, village salon that the clientele mainly were over 60 (laughs) um and that's how I learned my my craft from there um went to the the um so that that was at college and then went to the biggest salon of the town and became art director of that salon and was just driven really from that point to kind of I've always been creative I think and um 
as I said before, there wasn't a great deal of money in my family. So to kind of be creative, but also to work at the same time was something that was super important. And hairdressing was something that kind of really allowed me to do that. Um and, and and be self-sufficient so it's, from 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 there i've moved to um london to uh brooks and brooks it's amazing we've got so many similarities mate do you know you know i grew up in northampton as well and um, i know that yeah, yeah i grew yeah. up in uh, <laughs> in a little village in a little village in northampton did you do um did you go to northampton technical college for hairdressing because i did i did my first seminar there yeah I did, I did, yeah. I did. And, um, my wow. Wow. one, two, three at Northampton College. Yeah, and it's funny because Sally Brooks from Brooks and Brooks is also from me. Well, Sally and I grew up in the same village, um, in in Rawns, and uh, yeah. So there's bizarre, right? Six six degrees of separation. separation. So yes, yes. yes, sorry for jumping in, but I was like, oh, that's just sounding like my story. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Yeah, it's, he got into Brooks and uh, Brooks. Very similar, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't actually know Sally was from from Northampton when I went and um, applied for a job at Brooks and Brooks, but they were kind of a salon that I kind of saw that were doing lots of hairdressing awards work and um, had that, that they were they were they were in their infancy then as well. I think the first or second year of opening. Cause I think it's twenty years they've been open now. Um, so that's really how long that's I've been right. in London at this point to, to this day. Um, so I joined Brooks and Brooks and kind of worked the ranks through there. And I think, you know, coming from a small town to a big city, you're, you're, you're suddenly, a, 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 a you know, in a big pond rather than a, a little pond. <laughs> and um, you yeah. have to learn all new kind of disciplines, techniques and kind of, and it was also a way of me grow up like I'd had quite a personal personal situation in Northampton. My brother had just been killed in a car accident at that point. Oh, um, shit. I'm which so sorry, is man. why I kind of made this decision to make the move to Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's a long time ago now, but it's a traumatic it's trauma, isn't it? So I made yes. the decision to yeah. get out of Northampton and actually that's coming out coming out personally as well then you know I realized life was too short and I hadn't I hadn't come out as as gay at that point um so I moved to London and it kind of all all happened at the same time it was running away there was trauma from my brother and I kind of I had came out at the same time so yeah I came to the big city came to Brooks and Brooks and um found a new sense of freedom and a new sense of self but also kind of found a lot more drugs and alcohol at that time as well so it was kind of a whole mixture of experiences all happening at the same time um and I don't know that I was kind of yeah it it, it was an interesting time it was an interesting time because I I love my work and I love my job and I love what I do but um there was also the flip side of the kind of trauma and drama of everything that had happened and then kind of trying to discover who you are at the same time so it was it was a very interesting time and I'd actually never really dealt with any of that up until later on in life which will obviously come to in in a little bit so yeah yeah um books and brooks was a a a great a, a, a learning interesting experience where we kind of I did the I did the awards through Brooks and Brooks, and one men's hairdresser was finalised for newcomer, and a, a few different ones. And we would travel the world and kind of educate internationally, which was amazing. But there was always a driving force to kind of really truly be me and do what what I want to do, and 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 find my my stamp in the industry. And I've always kind of been a outside the box thinker I think and um there was still desire inside of me to kind of work out what kind of hairdresser I wanted to be and where I sat and um I didn't really like the I didn't really like the boxing if you like you know yeah. if you if if you're a salon hairdresser you're a salon hairdresser you can't do anything else if you're a fashion hairdresser you're a fashion hairdresser you can't do anything else if you're an educator that's it and I think that's bullshit, to be honest with you. I think we all kind of are, are entitled to be able to do 
whatever sure. element of the of the industry because there's so many so many ways that you can be a hairdresser isn't there mm. that's right but it Definitely. takes hard work and um there are a lot of people that try and do it without putting in the time and effort of doing it and you have to know what you need to do so i went from brooks and brooks really to work with sam mcknight so i went into the fashion side of it then and then i was working with sam for five years i think i'm part of his core team again doing shows and shoots and uh that was when the fashion fashion must have been an amazing experience it was it was and it was when sam was um heading chanel with the hair so we were doing all of the chanel work around carl lagerfeld and yeah it was incredible it was incredible but again you know it's a all of these environments are very different to where I'd come from you know I'd come from a council estate in Northampton (laughs) to them being in like sort of Paris and New York in these fashion environments and it's you have to kind of learn your etiquette and you have to learn sort of how to behave in these scenarios and you know personal personal limits and stuff I think is is um something that's not really spoken about as much as there's, well there's definitely know. an etiquette isn't there in that there is an etiquette there is an etiquette you have to you know whether you're in a per- someone's personal space or you're in a co- big company's space there has to be you know a way that you behave really um and i i hold my hands up i, I you know i struggle to find my personal code of behavior in many situations at times mm. because i had no idea you know i had no idea and when you're the joker and the laugh and life and the soul you know people love it up to a certain level and then you know you kind of you you stay at that level yeah. and everybody else goes home <laughs> yeah. or or they don't do you know what i mean so um it's, <laughs> you can get carried away mm. in situations mm. for sure but uh i left I left Sam's team and at that point I was working with Ellie Golding. So I, I got, that was my first kind of big pop star and did um, her world and European tour um, and uh, two campaigns of hers, two album campaigns. Um, and then that was when my world really started to kind of come crashing down. Actually, um, I didn't. I, I was away from home all of the time. I was earning a ton of money. Um, I was in these environments where it was always yes because you're working with super famous people. You have access to everything. You can go everywhere when you're with these people. You know and. Um, get a bit carried away I got a bit carried away with myself on top of you know the the sexual identity the trauma the childhood trauma that I really never dealt with um the death of my brother and uh found myself in a in a in a lost lost place um really behaving in a bad in a bad way for me Louis it it um it sounds like you had a lot going on around you, but at the yeah. same time, you were lost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hadn't taken the time to really um, understand who I was, to figure out who I was, what I was about. I didn't really. Mm. And I felt mm. I, I, I felt so much shame as well. I, there was lots of, lots of shame in... Mm being gay in in you know the abandonment of being uh, when i was a child um just just language that you take on conditioning and language that you take on throughout life and throughout growth that you actually don't even realize causes you such a problem but it's there underlying in your subconscious Mm. mind it's Mm. it's there never really Mm. feeling good enough so actually confidence is something that I massively struggled with, even though I was working in this industry mm. that was built on confidence and it built around making fit people feel good. And what I actually did have through through the power of yeah. what my aunt gave me as a child is I had that power to make people feel special and to feel good. So people could really suck out 
everything that I had and take my energy and then you know I was kind of left Mm -hmm. a bit of a shell it's interesting because I my I moved to London uh, I worked to work in London for Tony and Guy when my mum passed away and I would I grew up in that little village in Northamptonshire and I yeah and I don't know about you but yeah um living in that little village was great right until it all of a sudden it just had it just had, was so I couldn't be there it was suffocating and I just had to and when I got into that world in 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 London it was like a safe space for me but it was so bonkers to the way that I was used to living and um, I definitely had that I'm hiding under the shadows of other people um, and I just put everything into work. I just completely drowned myself. And yeah. I would always be the late pass, like the person late at model nights and, you know, wouldn't go home and bits and pieces because my home is quintessentially had been sort of taken away. And I was filling that void uh, constantly with work. And yeah, I really feel for you, mate. That must have been a really challenging time with your brother and, you know, and obviously with what happened as growing up with a kid, but I mean, thank God for your aunt, right? She really showed you a way. Yeah, she really showed me the way without even me really realising that, you know, that was from the age of like four or five years old, that she kind of gave me this gift that I, you know, is is my career, my job and my life now at this later point. Um so that 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 was a beautiful special special thing that i i'd got and you know i think now later on in life which i guess we're going to come to as well with i can am and i will with what i'm doing in education there you know later on in life i, I i'm at a point now where i've kind of I, i've put together a foundation to help younger people and i realize that you know, my story isn't any different or any worse or any better than many, many, many young people's stories that are still happening yep. right now to this day, you know. Um, and there still isn't a great deal of answers to those stories and a great deal of help. And actually, we talk about mental health and well-being a lot these days and we talk about identity and being lgbtqia plus and all of these things but actually as an individual person it's the personal stigma that you carry around on yourself and it's the the languages that are used and the the Mm. things that are spoken which are which are changing for sure but actually um when you're in it and you're that person that's suffering and I want, I don't really want to say victim because it's not about being a victim, but when you are, because it's, it's life experience and I don't think you ever go through life and you know, life is not linear. Life is always going to be up and down and there are always going to be situations. But when you're in it, you feel very lonely and you feel like you're the only person that's going through these situations. But actually the reality of it is if everybody was a little bit more honest and kind of was allowed to speak their truth and understood how to speak their truth, then, you know, we all go through stuff and we all go through situations and not one person's worse or, or, or not, you know. Um, Louis, how did you get into, um, was it drugs and alcohol? It was, yes, it was. Well, I was first blackout drunk at about 10 years old um, and I probably smoked weed okay. Um, when I was at school, like around that age as well, um, I got into drugs probably around 14, 15, um, going out into the town and partying. Um, and I come from a family of people that suffer with drug and alcohol addictions as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from a working class background and it's a background that is about survival you know it's about survival and escapism and um kind of making yourself feel better Mm -hmm. in any way that you can really um so it's an element of me that's always there and always will be there and um I've seen many special people within my life you know deteriorate because of these situations my my aunt was an alcoholic actually the one that gave me the gift of hairdressing my auntie Val. she you know she 
she suffered, my mum suffers, my dad died of alcoholism. So it's it's something that is in my DNA. It's I very guess. prevalent. It's very prevalent, but mm. um, I didn't realise how lost I could get with it until the London years, really. And, and when did it all? When did you hit, say, your rock bottom? I remember listening to you on a on a, on a previous podcast, and did you break your leg in America or something? Yes. <laughs> so um, it was about it was it was five or six years ago now. Right. And um, my cousin was getting married in Las Vegas and I'd had a year. Uh, so I, I ended up in a relationship with a guy um, before my leg broke. Um, we married. Um, I guess I should say before that, a, a year, two years before two years before I got married, um, I was diagnosed as HIV positive um through kind of the shame and stigma of being queer of being gay i just didn't really look after myself and found myself in silly situations um yep. so i was diagnosed with hiv positive and then from from that diagnosis i just went on to self destruct really um found myself in a relationship with a guy that was in a very similar situation and um it was it was destructive and it was it was it was abusive and horrible um which sent me even lower um that we we married it lasted a year it was it was like crazy situation yeah. time um and then i a year after mm. that i found myself into a real dark spiral of 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 self-destruct that's when I went to Vegas I went to Vegas and I'd not really slept in days um I, I I was at my cousin's wedding I did a speech on the stage and I literally stepped off the step and my leg shattered underneath me um oh, shit. You... and I felt excruciating pain but at that point wow. I, I actually didn't go to hospital straight away I stayed out I did karaoke um, I didn't go for, to hospital until three days later, until my leg was like a lump of meat in my hospital, in, in my hotel bed. Oh my lord! And I had to get the paramedics to come and collect me and take me to to, to hospital. So that's just a signaler of kind of how deluded I was, wow. really, and how my mind was working at that point. Like to think that I could kind of get away or get out of this situation. Wow! Yeah, just it's delusion. Right. It's delusion. That's what it you, is. It's, you it's just complete got delusion. Trauma on wow. top of trauma. Obviously, the tr the yeah. trauma of being sort of the diagnosed with the HIV, the the, the yeah. marriage breakdown. It was just trauma after trauma, really, and um, not really understanding how to how to deal with it. I'd never really kind of. I tried therapy. I tried sort of trying to speak to professionals about it. You know, I was definitely depressed. I was definitely mentally unwell. I was now physically unwell. My thoughts were unwell. You're in a dark um, place. Work was suffering. I'd I'd lost my job. Um, with Ellie Golding, I, I, I had always managed to work. I had always managed to work. I had always managed to find my way through and support myself. But I knew that I was. I knew that I could achieve a lot, lot more. And I knew that there was a lot more that I wanted to to, to achieve. Yes, yes. I knew I had a lot more to say. So um, I had my leg splinted in a in a in a hospital in Vegas. And then flew back the very next day and had surgery. And um, I'd snapped my heel off. I'd broke my ankle. I broke my shin just from stepping down off a step. Shit. Um, so I had my leg pinned and plated. That just shows you how, how broken your body must have been. Just broken, depleted, weak, yeah. just fucked, basically. I was fucked. Yeah. Um, and from that point... I, I I made I made a choice. I made I made probably the first one of the first conscious choices I'd ever made for myself in my life, and that was to kind of face up to what was happening, um, 
and I was I was grounded. I was stilled. I was I was in that moment. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. My leg was casted up, and and it was either fix up or 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 don't and 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 die. Face the alternative because you know I couldn't be doing doing what I was doing and behaving the way that I was behaving with my leg like this. It's quite something symbolic yeah, about it. It was an enlightenment. It was a it was a completely spiritual enlightenment. Can't run away anymore. Can't run away. I was I was yeah, grounded. I was grounded in the moment. Clive, that's yeah. 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 Mm. And I'm very it's, thankful it's forced for you that. to stop. Yeah. And I mean what's going through my mind as well because I lived in the US for for a while is I bet that trip to the hospital in Vegas cost you a fortune, didn't it? Because mm. I know the medical bills in America are ridiculous. A lot of money, yeah. It was it was a fortune. It was a fortune, yeah. and so, there was obviously all the all the yeah, fear yeah. around that as well. You know how it was going to be paid for, what I was going to do. Like it was, yeah, yeah. It was it was not a nice time at all. Not a nice time. And uh, I also had another lesson from that situation as well, because I was... So that was your turning point. It was my turning point, and and it was my turning point in the respect that I was away with a lot of people, and really only three people took care of me out of that situation, and I was away with like 40-odd people, mm. and it kind of showed wow. me how much I gave of myself all the time how much I was giving away of my energy of me and, and giving to other people. And actually when it came down to it, you know, it was only a very, very small group of people that took care of me through that situation. And it taught me a big lesson, really, that yeah. that situation. It taught yeah. me how much I should give away of myself and who I should give it away to. And, and you know, why was I doing that for all those years? Because it's... It's about energy. It's about your energy, isn't it? And 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 that's what I've come to learn and and really value out of this whole situation. It's a it's, a, it's an exchange, isn't yeah. it? Life is an energy exchange, and actually, yeah. Yeah. from 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 that situation, I learned the value of my energy, and um, I learned you know you get out, out as much as you put into life, whether that be positive or negative, and and I was well aware of how I could take my life in the negative aspect because I'd done it you know I I I, I destroyed it to a a, a, a real success <laughs> so actually my goal from that point onwards was to put as much mm. effort into mm. rebuilding my life and positivity and well-being as what I was doing with trying to burn it down and this is the situation that we're in today which has kind of really worked and helped mm. Congratulations, that's, mate. That's fabulous. Thank you. That that brings us to now. It does. So, it does. Um, can you tell us what you're doing now? And yeah. and and can you also what's what's life like now for you? In my early days of recovery, when my leg was broken, um, I, I I I guess I regained clarity of mind, and um, once I'd kind of cleaned up and sobered up, I was like a light and alive in my head. I'd started therapy with a really great therapist that got recommended through a group of friends that had been passed down and passed down and passed down. And actually she really cared for me and went above and beyond. Um, and I, you know, I, I do highly recommend getting an external person that you can have and share to and talk to because it really did help my situation. Um, so I started to, I'd, I'd cleaned up, I was talking to somebody externally and then I started to kind of look at well-being and, and, and how I could kind of, and personal management really, um, I'd become very, very isolated, um, through my addictions, through my behavior. So I knew that I wanted to reconnect back into the hairdressing world and just back into the world, really. So I, I was, I was in a, I was in a situation where I was kind of started to get better. Before before my leg had broken, actually, I was in my bed, really low, 
really low after uh, like a huge bender and the words I can, I am and I will appeared in my head. I had no understanding of what that meant, but actually they gave me a bit of hope. So I had a can, I am and I will tattooed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when things got a bit tough, I would use those words and they would give me hope and give me hope. So then after my accident, and wanting to kind of reconnect with people, um, I decided to create a project of of identity and um, ask people to give me their I can, I am, and I will answers. It turns out that I can, I am, and I will is a mantra. I had no idea what a mantra was at that point. This is how kind of disconnected from well-being I had been up until then. So... I found, worked out it was a mantra. It was a mantra that had worked for me. So I started to ask my clients, friends, street cast, um, interesting people, and I would shoot their portraiture, create film content, and they would all answer the words, I can, I am, and I will. And that just really flew from that point. Um, in January wow. 2020, it was... Um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, really awesome. It was featured um, as the wellness campaign on ITV, mm. which is a television channel here for the Lorraine show. So it worked two consecutive weeks with my celebrity clients. They were... Um, uh, which which were segments that I completely produced and put together and, 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 and designed. Um, and at this point now, the, the like the press reach for the movement is over three hundred million. It's been wow. written about so many times in such a positive way. Um, I continue to shoot the portraiture and tell the unique stories, and that goes down from teenage suicide to mum guilt to being trans to any kind of life situations. We've shot in London, Lisbon, Paris, and Ibiza and continue to grow that globally. Um, and then... Louis, that's was, amazing. Yeah, it's it's been a driving force for me and it's been a real passion mm. to keep me on the straight and narrow, to keep me focused, to keep me... to keep me... to keep me going, really. So then I, I put together a well-being journal... Um, my friend when I was recovering and sort of in my depression sent me a well-being journal through the post um it wasn't something that I'd ever bought myself and I really didn't understand the benefit of what a journal could do but actually she sent me one and it just arrived through my door I had no idea who it was from so I I I started to write a journal all those years ago and actually I still have those journals and actually they're quite kind of they're quite special things for me to read these days really because it really kind of lays out a picture of what I was thinking and how I was feeling when I was in my dark days and Mm. you know it's Mm. it's quite emotional really so um Mm. I used the portraiture that I'd created with I Can Am and I Will and the individual personal stories to create a book that was more filled with love. So I wanted to produce a journal that was about personal monitoring. So daily you look at what's going in your body to kind of the results of what's coming out, your thoughts, feelings and actions. You can set kind of positive intentions in the evening. Um, but in there, there's my story laced within it. And, and there, there's the portraiture of all of the people that have taken part in the movement so far. So it's, it really is what I like to call a book of love. So it's, it's somewhere where you can go and not feel lonely. What I'd realised from the journals that I had used before in the past was they felt a very lonely place to be. You know, it was all about you, your thoughts, whereas I wanted this to be bright, bold, colourful, a place where people would want to come to. So the journal was born and that, that's gone super well. Um, and there's a digital coaching plan as well, which is more of an in-depth delve into yourself. And that's that's a daily programme that's used um, over three months. 
that's 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 um yeah digital on 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 an app yeah it's 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 been it's been great and it's just the beginning it really is just the beginning of this because i i think i've spent the last five years definitely developing growing myself personally creating products creating something that would be engaging and a real fit for you know my passion is definitely community and connection um the hairdressing industry and and young people they're 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 key areas that i want to work in so now i have products that are ready to go out into the industry and to into these communities to to create um positive positive action um the work from the portraiture was also featured um in a in an immersive art show as well which was in central london um which was in the foyer of a brand new brand new building um in on digital screens that was displayed and 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 is still displayed in the middle of soho um that was another real kind of achievement and and beautiful thing for me to see louis it's amazing mate and first i want to say congratulations you know as you're speaking and i'm i'm picturing this whole journey that you've been on from lying in a hospital bed and you've got this epiphany of such yeah. of like you're going to change your life and you're going to move forward with a career that yeah and where i'm going with this is this like the the career that almost ate you up and spat you out with the you know the the drugs the trauma the whole nine yards which was in one sense it was a bit of a sanctuary but it nearly killed you as well um those of you yeah. that have not have, yeah. i don't know if you've read dj fat tony's book i don't take requests you know about the dj in the infamous DJ got an amazing Instagram yeah. account, but I remember him reading, he was in a rehab and he'd pulled out all his teeth. He, you know, he was best friends with boy George at the time. And they said to him in the rehab, they said, you can't go back to London. You can't go back to your, uh, to your relationship and you can't go back to DJing. And he said, no, I am going to go forward with my DJing. I'm going to go forward with my relationship. And I'm going to go, I'm the only place I can do this in London. And I just was listening to you speak. And I'm like, my God, you've gone back into the fire, but with a whole new f- set of um, boundaries and and a, a very Absolutely. beautiful attitude and created something amazing. Like, I'm going to... I, you know, as I know, as you know, I stalk your Instagram. That shoot you did with the, the amazing British actress Vicky McClure, and she had the T-shirt on in the field with the, "I can, I am, I will." I think they were black yeah. and white imagery. I mean, if you haven't seen, but, you know, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes to go on and, and follow your socials. But the imagery is stunning. It's beautiful. I mean, you're just such a talented hairdresser as well. And, and fair play to you, mate, because you dug yourself out of a an incredible. I mean, we could have been, I mean, your life could have been technically over, couldn't it? You could have gone, I can't go back to Erdress and it killed me. You know what I mean? So that's where I was going with that. And what you've yes. done is just completely flip that situation. It's it's because, such a legacy. It's. Yeah, that's. It's yeah. so purpose, purposeful. It's, um, yeah, it's really lovely. Congratulations. I think, I think it's important to try and um, thank you very much but I think it's important for me and it always has been important for me to try and kind of yeah look at look look on the look on the brighter side you know starting with the death of my brother and using that as a catalyst for me to move to London come out and try and live the life that I deserve to live you know and be the person who I deserve to be that 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 was that that came from the death of my brother so actually this accident that i had it was very important for me to kind of definitely create a positive out of a negative situation and to definitely i, I all of that negativity and all of that destruction came from came from stigma and came from dishonesty it came from not being and not the person that i should be and not speaking my truth so actually this whole movement is about honest storytelling and people telling their truths and me telling my truth through it and through community and connection and culture and honest storytelling we're able to 
to grow, you know, and, and to open up. And, mm. and it's, you know, I was so blown away when I first started this because I'm, you know, honestly, I found it really difficult to speak my truth. I found it really difficult to be truthful in every situation that I had, because I think I'd spent so long growing up sort of trying not to be gay and trying not to be this person and trying to be what society wanted and to fit into the norm that I had no real understanding of my truth. So then you kind of, you're, you, you're in a false world for so long, which kind of leads to destruction. Mm. So actually by telling, telling truth, and openly communicating and even doing like we're doing now you know it allows people to do the same thing too and I was blown away by the power of that really and by the power of sharing mm. and 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 just talking truth I think from where I'm sitting here Lou and I'm and Lou um we've seen this right we I've been I've been in this industry a long time we've seen people in this industry get um go down holes very similar to Louis and then drop out of the industry. And I think what's so inspiring about yes. your story, Louis, is that it could have been easily like a poor me, uh, look at me, I'm, you know, I can't do this anymore, I'm a failure. And then you've obviously got that shame, that guilt, that resentment towards an industry that yeah. you can go, well, easily gone, well, you know what, I'm going to go and drive a bus now and just forget forget my whole life and I'm going to drink down the Legion every Friday. It would have been an easy, easy yeah. thing to just not, not go forward. So it takes an amazing amount of courage to do what you've done and to do it with such um, conviction and build something. Three hundred million press articles, and to to get the the, the level of I mean the, the beautiful imagery and that is just it's, as you say, Lou. It's a legacy. It's a really fabulous. And it I think is. I guess what I'm trying to say is. It, it's a great, this is an amazing story to play to people in your, we've all got them in it within our salon groups where, you know, pushing it way too hard and go, you know what, this is yes. where it can lead you to. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need to go this far. Yeah. You can, you can get, you can turn it around. And yeah. Lou is a great example of, you know, you don't have to be, go down that hole. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think it's a beautiful inspiration that you can give to it because this is a young people's industry and we make big mistakes and so yeah it does it does i think one of the, one of the one of the things that i'm most proud of uh with this with, with everything that's happened is um the work that i'm doing within um education and that really stems from being a hairdresser as well so um i am working yeah. at the moment with um the government of Jersey in the Channel Islands and um, education and schools over there that provide SEMH education, so that's social, emotional and mental health needs education. So they provide education for a group of vulnerable young people, um, often that have been through trauma, abuse, neglect, um, they're in care, they're out of, they're, they're displaced, they're immigrants, that's where I sit with um, the education side of it now. Um, and that actually stems from being a hairdresser in Northampton. So as a as, as a hairdresser in Northampton, one of my clients, Sarah Anderson Rawlings, was um, a friend of mine and a client back in the day. And it just turns out that she is now the executive head for social, emotional and mental health in Jersey. So she was the one that brought me over. Um, she had seen also on social media what I'd been doing with my program and with the tools for reflection that I'd created. And we got together and kind of now we use it for young people. So each day um, they have added um, 30 minutes, I can, I am and I will, protected time to the school syllabus. And that time is then used for the students and teachers to journal and to use the coaching plan so basically you can start your day after kind of clearing out your mindset and your thoughts knowing where you're at and then move forward into the day with more of a kind of a positive outlook um and i'm really proud of that actually and and that's something that it's i also amazing. want to grow a lot more within education providers because if you look at places in europe you know definitely 
I know that in Germany, the junior schools all journal before they start their day. You know, in the UK, we are so behind in the well-being and mental health processes. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Brilliant. And it needs to change. We need to we need. We need like if I'd have had those to- if I'd have had the tools of journaling and the coaching plan and, and, and everything that's in my plan from a young age, then maybe I wouldn't have reached the point where I'd reached, you know, and, and, and didn't know how to care for myself and didn't know about personal management and didn't know what effect just simply writing your thoughts out can have on you by simply kind of triggering your positive positive mindset and your positive thoughts at the end of the day going to bed on a positive thought it can all kind of really have a, a, a huge impact in your day so true mm. our education system here I, yeah. I have a 14 almost 15 year old daughter um and we've just started homeschooling because um there's no, there's yeah. nothing no. for no. mental health yeah here I, I think that's incredible about the german schools I know you you do the journey and you said you had a counselor. Is there any other um, areas of recovery that you, that you focus on? Do you, I mean, <clears throat> yes. I mean, my, what do you so, do now so, on a daily so my, basis? My recovery on a, my, my, my recovery um, these days is gem is a day-to-day recovery. Um, when I first went into recovery, yeah. I um, had a lot of friends that were going through the AA program and NA program, which I did take part in and do for a couple of years. Um, then I created my tools and my movement and actually exercise and found the things yeah. in my day-to-day life that actually gave back to me and actually you know I like to feel physically strong and healthy and actually I think our bodies are our signalers to our, our physical body or our, our signalers yeah. to actually what's going on within us and actually you know I my lesson of my leg was my biggest lesson and actually my body stopped me and made me take stock of what was happening through my leg so mm. I use my body to tell me you know I know when I'm tired I know when I'm pushing it too much I know when my thoughts mm. go off track and I know it's always going to be there. Life is not life is not linear, as I said before. We have ups, we have downs, but actually, I know where I can turn now. I know that if actually I use my journal and I put my thoughts and my feelings within that, then the picture starts to change. It really does, and it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It's it's about understanding and having having practical tools to use. Um, so. I keep very fit. Having said that, I change it up all the I've time. Seen like, you get, are so fit. <laughs> well, I get bored. Like, like, I get, <laughs> I've seen you on that Pilates do, machine. I know. I can do something for a long time and then all of a sudden it's like gone. Like like I've never done it before and like I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I have to keep on kind of like changing up what I do. And that's just the way my head works. Um and creativity, creativity is the thing that keeps me sane and focused and on track and passion, creativity. And I know if I was to go out and get fucked up, it would take me a long time to recover from it. And that the mm. energy that it takes away from me I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of not having yeah. energy and life and zest. You know, it's it's mm. it's it's a process. It's a day to day process, isn't it? And 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 it's and and it's also down to the individual to to know how they're feeling and sort of take control of it. But I'm now at a point where. I've kind of really delved deep inside and I understand why I would act out in, in, in my old life and what, what drove me to behave in those ways. 
Um, and now it's about looking forward and to create create new things. You know, it's about it's about making things mm. happen for me. It's amazing how clearer you can see the world with with when you're not hung over and you're not burying yourself. You know, you're not running away from stuff. You're actually sitting with those yeah. thoughts and yeah. You know, and it's the same world, you know, it's the same world. Your perspective on how you see it. I mean, I've written a whole yeah. bunch of notes down here and I'm I'm just looking at the at the pathway that you've gone. And one of the things that I'm taking from this is that even though the most traumatic um, things have happened in your life with the obviously the loss of your brother and um, coming from the, the unfortunate background that you came from and then, you know, delving into the world of hairdressing and, and that... And, you know that fortunate day in Vegas. I as such is that everything happens for a reason. It's funny, isn't it? When you it, as hard yeah. as that reason may be, but you you and I and you said at the beginning, I don't want to use the word victim. It could have been easy for you to turn and go. You know what? I'm just this. My life's fucked, and I'm not meant to amount to anything. Yeah. Um, but look at what you've done. Look at you know your fitness. Like it's funny because when you talk about the break that you have in your leg, I've seen you on social media doing your. You are as fit as a trout, mate. And um, that doesn't impact me. And that yeah. was, that was also something that I really wanted to focus. You know, I, I when you have your mobility taken away from you in in the way that I did, and I was I was grounded. I was still like I, there was no way that I wanted to kind of take that forth into my life I, I was like this is it now like you have to be on form you know you have to be mm -hmm. fit and, and and fitness really is something that as we get older as we all do if we're lucky enough to get older you know I want to be as strong and as mobile as I can possibly be going into that stage of life because we all change, don't we? You know, life life doesn't stay the same. And yeah. I think do. that's the the no. the, the, no. the most kind of like delusional, stupid thing to think, where we're all trying to strive for youth and kind of not embrace where we're at at the point where we're at. You know, we have to listen to our bodies, we have to listen to our thoughts, and make the most of the situation that we have. Congratulations, mm. mate. It's Lou. Do, Lou, do you want to? Uh, we're coming up to close to time. Is there anything you specifically want to ask, Lou? Before no, we look, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got so many notes. Um, <laughs> I love, I love what you said about um, what goes into your body and what comes out, and and it's not just yeah. food. It's you know, um, filling yourself with goodness, with positivity, with you know, um, and and not toxicity in everything you know um i love it i i um i i am i can and i will a very positive words um yeah it's yeah, yeah it's it's truly beautiful louis i just want thank to you. say thank you for being so honest and so humble it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and we you know what we'd love i i you know i'm, I'm a very visionary person and i'm like as soon as yep. I get off this call, I'm going to talk to Lou about bringing Louis to Australia. And I think we need to start doing a tour around Australia, talking to our Absolutely. industry about what can happen, right? I'm just like, I'm looking at the bigger picture here. And I think we've been doing this podcast now for, I don't know how many episodes, but there's a definite, I mean, the, 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 there's an abundance of people reaching out to us. This is, a, as you said at the beginning, there's a hot topic with mental health. And so amazing to get somebody like yourself, Louis, that's been in the industry at the pointy end, who's seen the the very lows and the and the biggest highs. And I think you are such an inspiration to millions of people that you haven't met yet. So it's amazing. But not just our industry. You know, yeah. I, I've got a no, I've got a nephew who's It's inclusive. Yeah. 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 I've got a a, a young nephew who is um what is he? Twenty-two, um, and he he is gay, and he is full of shame. And yes. it's um, yeah. yeah, you know, and he's he's dealing he's dealing with it, and he's just you know he's the most amazing young man. Um, but yeah, I just I can see this not just in our industry. It, you know, it's 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 huge. It's big. It's big. I've always 
thought big about what this is like that is my goal and my driving force it is huge and it is big and I've always kind of thought big with it um and yeah I would love to come over to Australia and do a tour and tell people's stories and get creative as well you know it's about not just about me telling my story it's about building other people's stories from within I have actually sold some journals in Australia already which was like wild for me like from this side of the country i want to, i want to put the, the link world. yeah let's put yes put the, we'll link, put the link in for sure uh, yeah for, i yeah. want to put the um, link in if we put the link to youtube as well because lots of the video and film footage that has been shot um will be is on youtube sure so you can really get an essence of, of of what we do and how we do it Louis, I just want to, um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, and a lot yeah. of people, I, I have conversations about journaling with, um, I'm, I'm a business mentor as well and I, and I, I get yeah. my clients to, to journal. But a lot of people get stuck. They don't know what to journal. What, what sort of things, like when, when you started, what do you, what do you, what do you write about? Whatever is in your head. I, I, I think the common misconception with journaling is people think they have to do it when they have something super interesting happening within their life or they think that actually mm-hmm. the journal is the place to tell the story of when there's something going on, but it's not. A journal yeah. is to tell you exactly what is happening in that moment for you. So if nothing's happening in your life, If you're not getting out of your house, if you're not being productive, you need to write that down. So actually, when you look back and you see that, you can see that nothing was happening. Why is nothing happening? Mm. What food are you, what what are you you eating? How how are you hydrating? What exercise you're doing? You know, and you will see a pattern in in behaviours through that. Because actually, if you're eating healthy, if you're hydrating and if you're moving, then the 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 magic is going to happen in terms of you know mm. the, the 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 thoughts and the creativity and the and the mindset then starts to shift my mum yeah. for instance is terribly bad at journal she is the person that has had a journal my journal for quite a long time but is waiting until she's got something fabulous and exciting in her life to be able to fill this journal up with. And I'm like, it's not about that. It's not about that. You need to be doing it day to day when it's the normal, mundane, boring kind of side of life because that is the side that you want to change. When you've got all your shit going on and you're doing something fabulous, you don't need to be journaling them because you're doing it. But it's actually the times yeah, when you're yeah. you, when you're still and you're quiet and you're depressed and you're lonely that fill those fill the journal with your lonely thoughts. You know, when I read back to my okay. first journals yeah. of the loneliness and the crazy thoughts that are in it, it kind of was sort of from one mile an hour to a hundred miles an hour all the time, like going off in different tangents and. Yeah. You know, that, that's what yeah. you need to see because yeah. that is kind of your thought process at that point. And then mm. you can alter it and then you can you, so you, true. you can work at ways of kind of trying to change that. I think cool. all of us, we've got those, that, that voice, and we talk about this on every episode, that inner voice in our head that can get so loud that's waiting for us, you know, it can tell us we're not good enough, yeah. tells us we're yeah. too fat, we're not this, we're not that. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, guys. As you can see, I'm losing the light here and my Louis got much brighter in, in his... Uh, oh. setting i'm going slowly into the dark um because i it can't reach too. the light I notice that i can't reach the light uh from here so i'm sitting in the dark um louis it's okay. been fabulous to chat to you my friend yes, and, and absolutely. congratulations you are p- truly an inspiration to and um, i've loved chatting to you and i would love to do this again uh, next year yes. definitely um, yeah. you know, um yeah. you know and we wanted to say thanks for being so brave, so honest, and telling such a, a beautiful story in, in so in so many ways, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Lou, for being um, uh, 
uh, once again an amazing host with me thank today. You. It's been fabulous. Thank you. And Louis, um, Louis, thank you so much. Um, this is this is really your purpose, you know. Um, yes. I feel I feel sorry for you that you went through all of that. However, looking at what you've created, there's a reason. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel I feel there's a big story coming in your magazine yes, about this soon, yes. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, excellent stuff. Louis, have a wonderful Christmas, my friend. Um, thank you and so much you for guys. taking the time. And those... Um, Thank you, everyone. Louis. So, please, that's another episode of Straight Edge the podcast. We've loved having Louis on. And if there is anyone that's um, that's been through similar things or suffering with certain things, and you want to come on, that's anything of an addictive behaviour, behaviour, please um, get, reach out to us through our social media. Please don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify as well. But for everyone out there, stay safe. And um, we've got some exciting episodes coming up uh, as we head towards Christmas. So thank you very much. And you've been listening to Straight Edge, the podcast. Thank you. <laughs>